Hi, everybody. Can you hear me? Great. So let's begin with meditation. Uh, if you haven't met me, I'm Eugene Cash. Uh, I'll lead the teaching this evening. Please uh, sit upright if possible so that you're sitting on your sits bones and and that there's uh if you're on your sits bones it's very easy to have an uprightness all the way from the base of the spine to the back of the neck Please let your attention land inside, first by sensing your whole body sitting here. I just begin by feeling the body, feeling the posture, the temperature, the weight, the lightness, the sensations of body. Letting the awareness saturate the bodily experience as we establish the first foundation of mindfulness, mindfulness of the body. And as you become aware of, as you sense, as you feel the body sitting here, make whatever simple adjustments needed to make the body as uh, awake and energized as possible and at the same time being relaxed. As you become aware of the body, it's very traditional to just become aware of the fact the body is breathing and to begin to collect or compose oneself with the breath. Begin to unify the awareness with the breathing. 
that's part of the establishing a sense of samadhi of being here with this simple experience of being alive and breathing and for now you can let everything else be in the background you can let whatever else is happening happen on its own as you become intimate with the body breathing be mindful of the breath with the in-breath or the out-breath at the nostrils or the movement of the chest or belly as the breath is inhaled or exhaled. Or you could simply be aware of the whole body as the body breathes. It's very helpful to center ourselves in this way. If the breath doesn't work so well for you, you could simply be aware of sounds but picking one object like the breath or sound and centering oneself with it, unifying with it, becoming one with it, knowing it directly, intimately. See what kind of energy supports you staying with the breath from the beginning of the in-breath till the end of the out-breath and the beginning of the out-breath 
till the end of the out breath so that you're staying very intimate with each half breath. Staying very close to it. have an option here. You can stay with the breath for the whole meditation or if you feel composed now or in a few moments then you could open the space of awareness to be aware of whatever displays itself. However your life displays itself whether it's other sensations in the body or any feelings or emotions or moods or thoughts, ideas, beliefs, memories that just appear all on their own. And we can rest in the awareness that we establish and be aware of whatever arises at each moment. not to get involved with thought, not to actively think, but be aware when thoughts are happening all on their own without you doing them. Just like feelings will, or emotions will happen all on their own and we can be aware of them. We want to relax or step back and rest in the awareness that's aware of everything, anything. Sound, smells, thoughts, feelings, sensations, reactions, liking, not liking, thinking we're doing it right or wrong. We can be aware of all of it, not just bound to it not just identified with it. 
staying very present, very relaxed, either staying with the body and the breathing or staying with the phenomena that displays itself in each moment. present, very aware, very awake, moment by moment by moment, in each moment of your meditation, in your life as you sit here.
Uh, Nina, I believe, has some announcements. Yes, thank you. Good evening, everyone. Um, my name is Nina, and I'm one of your board members here at San Francisco Insight. A um, couple announcements. You still have time to sign up for investigating white identity through the Dharma, which is a fabulous nine-month course. Um, it's for people who identify as white and who want to uh, really um, take a good look at um, what it means to be white and the relationship of whiteness to racial suffering. And so the first class is next Saturday and it will be a course that uh, meets once a month um, on the second Saturday of, a, of the month in a large group. And then you'll be in small groups where you'll also meet once a month. Um, let's see, is that good, Paul? Or is there anything else you wanna add to that? Um, only that you can find more detailed information on our website at uh, sfinsight.org and click on classes and um, you'll see a full description of it. Great. Thank you. Thank you. I highly recommend it. Um, okay. And then also... Um, uh, San Francisco Insight is looking for an accountant um, who might be willing to offer their time, their Donna, um, to support our fabulous bookkeeper, um, someone, an accountant who knows about QuickBooks, and it would probably be about two hours for the first month and then maybe less after that. Is that right, Paul? Um, a couple hours a month, probably for the first few months. And then um, we just need some guidance and uh, direction. And then after, after we get everything kind of moving in the same direction, probably an hour a month is all. Great. Okay. Thank you. Should have had Paul give just both those announcements. Um, so that would be a fabulous way to offer your Donna if you're an accountant. And Donna, as you probably well know by now, is the Pali word for generosity. And it's a really important quality um, in, in Buddhism. In fact, when the Buddha um, taught lay people, he began um, by being sure that they were well-established in this quality of generosity and ethical conduct. That was the ground and after which I guess would go on to other teachings, but also those, those practices were considered enough for lay people. Um, and so you might think about the, in your lived experience, what it feels like to be in the presence of a person who's exhibiting embodying generosity And also what it feels like in the moments in your own life when you have offered true generosity, you know, like with no strings attached, real generosity, what that feels like. 
And um, this practice has been kept alive for over 2,500 years through this exchange of generosity. So the teachings have been offered, it said freely and or generously and then supported generously by the Sangha. And so that exchange, that stream of generosity is what we're actually sitting in here and now in this moment tonight, we're receiving that. So if you would like to offer your generosity to San Francisco Insight through your service, like if you're an accountant, um, or with financial offerings, I'll put a link in the chat. Um, and we greatly appreciate that. And also you can be creative and think about other ways that you can offer your dana to this sangha and outward. So thank you for your generosity. Thank you, Nina. Thank you, Paul. Hi again, everybody. Nice to see you all. I always want to say everybody's name when I'm looking at the little boxes, but I think you know who you are, so I don't actually have to say your name. But um, uh, So I'd like to talk tonight, following up on Dawn Neal's talk last week, I talked to Dawn and um, she said she talked about uh, she was emphasizing how we relate to our practice. And she said, uh, she talked about three things that were important. What's, what's happening, the knowing of what's happening and how we relate to it. And so I was thinking about it uh, in terms of being sincere in our practice. Because uh, she said she quoted Ajahn Suchito who said the core of Buddhist practice is how we relate to what's happening. And so I was thinking that how we relate means being sincere to what's here, sincere in the moment, sincere in our meditation, like what's here, sincere in our life uh, and, and in the world. And be, being able to be here and be aware is a 24 seven practice of being sincerely here, of really giving ourselves to practice and living the practice, not just doing the practice when we come here on a Sunday night or wherever else you may practice, but really what does it mean to practice 24 seven with a, a wholeheartedness? Uh, the Buddha in the Dhammapada, the Dhammapada is one of the earliest known teachings of the Buddha and very simple, beautiful little couplets and, uh, and, and um, poems really. The Buddha said with sustained effort and sincerity, with sustained effort and sincerity, discipline and self-control, the wise become like islands which no flood can overwhelm. The wise become like islands, which no flood can overwhelm. And what he's saying, the way I understand this, is the practicing with uh, giving oneself to the practice, practicing with sincerity or in a wholehearted way, and, and being uh, 
disciplined, meaning really doing it, um, we become, we discover ourselves and the depth of who and what we are so that we can deal with any situation without becoming overwhelmed by it, without be, being flattened by the difficulty, even though the difficulties are really difficult many times in our life. But we keep finding our core by, being, by practicing sincerely and practicing sincerely in, in a real way, meaning not denying what's difficult or hard or uncomfortable or unpleasant, but also not denying when it's not difficult, or when it's not hard, or when it's pleasant and being aware of all of it. And as I was saying in the awareness, in the meditation, starting to rest in the awareness that's aware of all of it, good and bad, right or wrong, like or dislike. And one of the great teachers in San Francisco who was in San Francisco for the end of his life was Suzuki Roshi, which many of you or some of you may have studied with Suzuki Roshi. And he said, uh, he was asked this question, which I often, I like to always use this quote. He said, if I practice, a student said to him, if I practice Zen, will I get enlightened? You know, which is a valid question. If I practice Buddhism, will I wake up or will I get enlightened? And, he, and Suzuki Roshi, who is so, he, he was so wise. And he said, if your practice is sincere, it's almost as good. If your practice is sincere, it's almost as good as getting enlightened. And that really points to something about the unity that I was hoping to encourage, whether with the breath or with whatever is happening as we rest in awareness and are aware of what's happening moment by moment. And it doesn't mean something, and that's what's great about Suzuki Roshi, right? If you practice it sincere, if you practice sincerely moment by moment, it's good. It may not be enlightenment, but it's good. And good is good. This is my official, you know, blessing about good, really. Uh, and so, you know, part of what we want to do is, um, is contemplate what does it mean to be sincere? And so, as many of you know, I like to go to the dictionary and I look at what it means and and also what it says in the thesaurus, like what are the other words that are, that are used instead of sincere? And some of the sincerely was also honestly, openly, truthfully, naturally. That's part of what, what ways we could describe sincerity. To be sincere, it also said was to be heartfelt or wholehearted. And even that is just such a beautiful piece of the heartfulness of the Dharma and what it means to practice in a sincere way, as both the Buddha said and Suzuki Roshi suggested, that to be sincere is to practice heartfully, 
right? And and um, wholeheartedly, or and of course, genuine and real and honest. These are all, you know, uh, um, words that are used with um, uh, sincerity, earnest, ardent, devout. And I was looking at different ways that um, it's used and people think about sincerity. And um, one of my teachers said that it's about love and about the truth, right? About being honest and ardent, right? And, and having a certain kind of um, integrity in our practice. Right. And my teacher, Hamid Ali, he said, you know, to to know the truth, you have to be both a scientist and an artist and to really go about doing the work from the perspective of truth. You want to identify with both sides of the brain. You have to be rational and intuitive at the same time. And that's part of sincerity, he's saying. He said, loving truth for its own sake creates a kind of sincerity, a kind of humility, and an honesty about who and what we are. So that's about being sincere about what's here, about not being perfect, which I think is one of the great freedoms that Buddha offers us, is we don't have to be perfect. We can be real. We can be honest, we can be truthful, because those are all synonyms for dharma. Truthfulness is one of the ways dharma is translated. And, and this kind of honesty to be with ourselves and be right where we are, wherever we are at any moment and see what's needed, what our heart tells us <clears throat> or calls us how to respond to what's true. And of course, the truth is not a static reality. It keeps changing and it keeps changing moment by moment. It keeps changing meditation by meditation. It keeps changing hour by hour, day by day, uh, era of life to different eras of life. Right, like it's great to look at the screen. I get to see all of you and I see some of you are what I would call young people. And some of you are what I would call old people. And some of you I would, are what I would call neither young nor old people. You're, you're the in-between people. And it's just great to see life in all its forms, which of course you can all look at the screen. Nobody will know that you're looking at them, but, but it's fine to look because we're all looking. And, and it's just beautiful to see how life manifests and the sincerity that's right here. You wouldn't be here if there wasn't some sincerity about your practice and about what it means to wake up, which is really about what does it mean to be a human being and live a human life and wake up as a human. Sincerity. Also, some of the synonyms were integrity, trustworthiness, honesty, yeah, candor, also an interesting word, right? But, but it was about wholeheartedness and um, openness. 
of course, the great writer Bill Hooks, she said, hurtful and open, a generous heart is always open. When she was talking about things that are hurtful and open, she said, a generous heart is always open. And of course, that's what Nina was talking about, about Donna, which is about generosity or about giving to life. In this case, she was talking about giving to, uh, giving your heart and giving your action or, and giving your money to SFI. Those are all generous acts, right? And those are important for, for community to function well, especially in the Buddhist community. I'm gonna try to turn on a little more light here. Let's see if I've got any, yeah. It's a little better. It looks very dark in my room to me, but you know, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> um, so a few more things about sincerity. Um, one thing is, of course, what what is the opposite of being sincere is being insincere. And the synonyms for insincere are false or artificial or inauthentic or uh, disingenuous, great word, disingenuous, you know, which means not being real or duplicitous or uh, untruthful. And, and we wanna see for each of us when we're insincere, because at least what I believe is we're all insincere sometimes with how we act or where, what we say or what's true or what we believe about ourselves. And there was, a, a, I found this from a, um, a Tibetan uh, Rinpoche, uh, Pakchok, Rinpoche, who was a grandson of Tolku Ergen. And, and, and Tolku Ergen uh, is famous in my world because some of my friends studied with him. He was quite an awakened guy. And I studied with some of his sons, with uh, Sokni Rinpoche and Mingyur Rinpoche. Uh, and this, and, and Pakchok Rinpoche, is the grandson of Tulku Ergen. And so Sokni and Mingyur were his uncles. And he said, he said this, he said, we think we are sincere and genuine, but often we aren't. From a young age, we're, we're trained to perform, to project a certain image. And it's hard to understand this. He calls it a positive type of line. You know, we're trying to project the positive, which we all do at times, even when it's not true. And so he's not saying it's a horrible thing, but he's saying, but we get so good at it, we forget the need to discover the truth of what's true. true. And then he goes on, he says, we need to remember, we don't need to please anybody. We, don't, we can release the image, we, the worry about our image, which he says is constant. Let go of that. Instead, we can work on keeping a, a truthful and sincere heart. 
And this kind of heart is not just based on thinking about ourselves. Instead, it is kind and caring of ourself and of others. Being truthful means being sincere. <clears throat> he says he finds it personally, he finds it difficult to be sincere in daily life. And he knows that we all face that challenge. So how to learn to be sincere. We can improve our sincerity by thinking about our motivation. Like what motivates us? What's motivating us to be here right now is a great reflection. And it's really the reflection that we would call in the Theravada tradition, our intention. But what's our motivation? What, what, why are we here? What do we care about? What's of import to us? Because that's what I believe is part of your motivation for being here or for practicing or for being sincere moment by moment. What's your hope or wish or desire in that way? So that, that it's important to look at where are we being insincere so that we can be more sincere as part of our practice. And not just with ourselves, but with our friends, our family, our colleagues, uh, our neighbors, people we don't know, the world, with, with everybody. And it's sincerity has some, um, is often talked about in a number of different religions. I was looking up the word and looking up about it and Confucius, who was like 500 years before Christ, he said that, um, that he held faithfulness and sincerity as the first principles of his teaching. He was considered a philosopher. Confucius. And then in, in Taoism, they say when pure sincerity forms within, it is outwardly realized in other people's hearts. When pure sincerity forms within, it is realized in other people's hearts, meaning that what happens is when we're sincere, it impacts others. It impacts our partner or our children or our parents or our friends or our colleagues or people who we don't even know. When you, know, when you get around someone who's really sincere, who's really who they are, it has an impact on us. And we like it generally. It's not, a, it's not something we wonder about. We feel it. And this is from uh, Yogananda, who was a Hindu monk, yogi, uh, guru in the last century. Some of you may have known him. He started, uh, he spent the last 30 years of his life in America, started a center in Los Angeles. I believe the Vedanta Center, I believe that's the name, I could be wrong. And he said, you must keep on doing your best according to your clearest understanding. It's important to long for freedom like a drowning person longs for air. 
Without sincere longing, you will never find God, which is how his tradition thinks about it. And there's something about really being sincere in our practice. And that's, and I'm threading this back again to what Don Neal talked about, about the relationship to our practice, to each moment, to being sincere. So you might reflect for a minute about what does it feel like when you're sincere, right? You can think about some situation or person or that you're relating and you're sincere or when you've been sincere with yourself, even when it's been difficult to really say, oh yeah, this is what's true about where I'm at or what I've done or how I've acted or what happened without any Critical judgment is different than sincerity. Sincerity is about really seeing the truth and then responding kindly to it. And kindly might mean changing our behavior, but it doesn't mean attacking ourselves in some harsh or mean way. It's not the judging mind. It's the kind mind that's sincere. So what does it feel like when you're sincere? When does sincerity arise or happen for you? And when are you insincere? I mean, when, when does that happen? I've been, I was trying to watch it in the last couple of days in my own heart and mind. And I was really about, I was just trying to be real wherever I was. And real didn't mean I said everything I thought, but I wanted to be sincere about practicing 24-7. And so I was practicing. One of the places that I like to practice that I mentioned is when I go for workouts um, and doing CrossFit. And I went to a CrossFit workout yesterday morning in the park outside. And uh, and there's a lot of there were a lot of people there. 20 people or some, at least for my CrossFit these days, that's a lot. And, um, and um, you know, and there's a lot of people really into it, you know, and you, and you have to bring your own weights and I bring my weights and I do my thing. And it's totally fun for me, but it was just interesting to, like, I just wanted to be real and tr truthful and sincerely practice 24 seven and and uh, and see what happened. And so I wasn't trying to perform for the other people or do it for anybody else, even though I like sometimes I get some good remarks from people and I like that. But but um, uh, but really to just and especially because I may have talked about this, you know, I've learned how to jump rope in the last year or two, which I've never done my whole life. So I'm doing jump rope because they do the, the, the outline of the workout. They give you an outline and then you have to all do it. And, and every like if you're doing uh, whatever we were doing, squats with weights and then push presses with weights and then, you know, push ups or sit ups and then and then you do an 800 meter run. And I don't do the run. It's not good for my body running. So I do, I do my, my jump rope. And, you know, I'm not so good at it, but I'm getting better. And it's fun. 
And so all, all I want to do is if I can do 50 in a row, like that's great. That's killer for Eugene. And so, you know, and I, and it's great because some other people do the jump rope and I get inspired by them because, you know, they've been doing it since they were 10 or something. And, and they're just like, they're so relaxed and, but they're right there and you become more unified with what you're doing when you give yourself to it. And it's the same kind of sincerity of devotion that one practices with when we're sitting. When I'm sitting, all I want to do is be sitting here. Even if my mind's going off, even if it's chatting me up and blah, 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 blah. You have to do this, 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 that. Or this person said this. And what are you going to say back to them? And I just, you know, and all I want to do is be aware of my mind and not just be attached to my mind. Right? So, so the, um, so the, um, um, the practice, uh, being sincere is part of practice all the time because it means being honest, being direct, being real. Uh, a little bit, it's no bullshit. And it's about being oneself, honestly. Saida Utejaniya, he says, and with these exclamation marks, he says, be yourself, don't pretend. Be yourself, don't pretend. You don't have to be somebody else. The trick is be yourself, as they say in Zen, all the way to the end, right? And it, it's a way to become very straightforward and then discover what's true. And, and, it's, and sometimes even the good stuff is difficult. And this is a good friend of mine who's done a lot of practice and she was telling me about what was happening. But she, what she was saying was something has, has, has gone away right now for her in her daily life, which is some kind of insecurity or reverberation where she gets nervous around other people. She said, it's gone. And it's, and it's weird because she's so used to it as being part of what she's aware of. And so... And so it's a little uncomfortable because it's ego dystonic. It's not syntonic with how the ego knows itself. The ego knows itself as being scared. And as, as something's let go for her, it's like, it's a little bit wow and surprised and good and getting used to it still. So we want to be aware of whatever is happening. We want to be real and sincere and discover the truth of our thoughts, our feelings, our, our reactions, our wants, our not wants, and see what's true, right? Dogen said it this way, Zen Master Dogen said, those who seek the easy way do not seek the true way. Those who seek the easy way do not seek the true way. <clears throat> and the true way includes our insincerity at times, right? Seeing that we're not being authentic at times or seeing that we're afraid of what the truth will reveal 
about ourself or our image, as the Tibetan teacher said. But what happens with being sincere in our practice, in our meditation, in, in our life, is that um, we begin to discover the Dharma everywhere, the truth everywhere. And as Dogen also said, he said, if you cannot find the truth right where you are, where do you expect to find it? Right? This, is, this is where the Dharma is, is in your seat. You know, and whether it's, you know, Amy or Eric or Tomas or Mima or Clint or Virgil or Allison or Amy or Anne or Andrew or Bob, it's that this is where the Dharma is. This is what, what's when what's called for is your heart and heartfulness in a very sincere way. <clears throat> and that's about, I mean, I have more I could say. I have some other quotes, but let's see what you have to say. You know, I always like to hear from you what your thoughts, your reactions to what I've said. Anything about your own sincerity? You know, how are you sincere? Where are you sincere? And what, what obscures your sincerity? Uh, please use the, oh yeah, maybe in the reactions button. I'm on so many different Zooms. So yeah, and if you push the reactions button, you can do a raise hand uh, there. And of course, I love to hear from everybody, but I love especially to hear from people who haven't spoken before here or, or haven't usually spoken. And of course, I'm happy to I'll just call on people, but Mima has saved you all. Hi, Mima. Great to see you. I'm going to switch to speaker view when you unmute and speak up. Okay. Go, um, go ahead. It's so there good to go. see you, Eugene. Yeah, I'm glad to be here you. with you. Um, I hadn't looked at the situation as being insincere, this one uh, that I'm going to mention. Um, what I've noticed, um, I tend to be uh, straightforward, but when it comes to my sister or my dad, my dad is even a little bit easier, but my sister, I tend to be insincere now that I know that this is where it's applying. Um, in that, I feel like I have to restrain myself from being who I am and I just noticed that if I'm not, if I'm doing that, that I'm being dishonest and I'm not being myself. And I feel like my intention is to not lose her, to not, um, um, not to break up the relationship because it's always been so fragile. Mm -hmm. And so, so, so that's an important part that may include your sincerity. I'm, I'm going to add something that I didn't read. I'm going to just add a last quote from the Tibetan teacher who said, sincerity involves being kind. Mm. 
Mm. Right now. And then he talks about kindness is not uh, just about us. It's about the other person. And it's important. Um, um, uh, let's see what else he says. He says, oh, yeah, we can be diligent doing our mantras. They do 100,000 mantras. Or we can make continually practice meditation for 100 hours. Uh, but the important point to consider, if we are becoming more kind and sincere, are we becoming genuine in that way? And so that includes, so I want to be careful not to make being real or being honest uh, uh, a way to attack ourselves because there's some situations where saying everything that's true is not the kind thing to do. Sometimes we need to say what's not kind also, you know, or what somebody won't like. Sometimes the fierceness is a kind fierceness, mm. but you're, it sounds like you're navigating a situation that um, may not be so easy with someone you love. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I showed up tonight because um, um, she, um, my sister's been anti-vaccine and all that other stuff and she got COVID and I was so worried mm, about her I'm Sorry. and she didn't let me know and she was into until she was in her 12th day of COVID. Mm. And so she, I haven't heard from her since she stayed away, but my point is, is that now I know eventually she'll call. But I'm now that you mentioned that it's like there's got to be a balance um, and still be careful because it's so hard for me. It's so difficult, so challenging to interact with her and not be able to to speak up. It, right. I feel like I have a muzzle over me and I don't want to hurt her. I don't want to lose her. And yet it looks like even though even though those efforts were there, I still lost her because she's gone now. You know, she doesn't contact me and. So I'm kind of right. caught. I'm not sure if I'm right. making myself clear. Well, you're it sounds like to my ear that you're talking about a complex situation with her and how to keep bringing kindness and clarity to the situation is kind of the edge of your practice. Mm -hmm. And so and so uh, I would I would encourage you to experiment and you'll make some mistakes. But you might also tell her, you might also ask her, how could, how could we talk about this in a way that would be helpful for you? Mm. And keep getting her and keep hearing what works for her and then see how you can be real with her in a way that might support her and also support yourself. Oof. Okay. Uh, that's that, gonna yeah yeah that's yeah. gonna be like my practice so i yeah. have time to prepare when she comes back i'll i'll be ready hopefully thank you yeah yeah well let us know what happens and and you know either way the loving kindness practice the metta keep giving her sending her metta especially while she's sick even after she's sick well you know really because that also who knows what will happen with that that's going to be interesting to see. Thank you. Okay. Thank, Thank you. you. Good to see you. Amy. Hi. Um, I have a question about something that I heard um, 
Hamid saying, I know that you can't speak for him. Uh, all the time I speak for him. <laughs> <laughs> so I know, I just, I'm asking you to just riff on it. I know, I know you're sure. not in his brain. Um, sure. But so here's, here's the thing and how it connects to your talk. So Tammy Simon, who is the founder of uh -huh. interviewed him. I don't know if you yeah. read this interview, but it's free on um, Audible. Yeah, so Sounds True is a big, you know, audio uh, company who does good things. Yeah. yeah. So, so there's an interview on Audible with him that, um, and it's quite lengthy. It's great. But there's a part of it where she asks him, and this is way like towards the end of, 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 of the interview. And she said, from your experience of working with, you know, so many people over the years and um, like, what do you feel is the, is the, um, and I'm, I'm just, I'll, I'll, I'll just say it in my own sure, words, but what sure, sure. is the thing that really brings people to self-realization like what's what's the common denominator and he said a good childhood and she <laughs> was stunned and she said i'm so caught off guard by that answer she said because i thought you would say something like a longing for the truth uh -huh. and he was like no and so and so she was like but but what about all of the people that have experienced like you know trauma and and so she you know she, she went into uh -huh. her confusion for uh -huh. a little bit and he said no usually when those kind of people come to me i send them to someone else that's an expert on that because that's that's not something that i, I know how to deal with and so i was also stunned by the answer that answer because like even when i look at um indigenous cultures like the people uh -huh. that are, tend to be the shamans or the spiritual uh -huh. teachers are uh -huh. those that have had either extreme extreme illness uh -huh. or or near-death experiences right. and that's what qualifies them to be a right. healer or a spirit, spiritual person for the community because they've had to have that longing for right. something that's beyond the superficial layers of our life that, that is that longing for truth. Also, there's this quote from Janis Joplin. I mean, I'm sure she just, I mean, I don't know if she wrote it, but I mean, I know she's saying it. She said like freedom, something like freedom is it's another, another word for nothing, word left, for to nothing left to lose. Yeah. And that's the perspective, in my opinion, of like the person longing for the, or even if we look at people like Thich Nhat Hanh and those that mm -hmm. had, that went through so much suffering right. yeah. and the way they, transcended it is because so, they had that longing for right, peace right you know so what's your perspective on his comment uh, i understand his comment and i understand that the diamond approach has a different logos than buddhism oh, okay and i and i know hamid you know personally for a long time now and i understand that he's speaking from the diamond approach teachings and he's also speaking from his own childhood uh -huh. he had a really good childhood and it really uh is something that has impacted his realization and what's come through him and so um and 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 just for people who don't know the diamond approach, I'll just give a little context for what you're asking. In the diamond approach, you work with your childhood difficulties because they 
cause an impression on consciousness that can be released, basically. And so you do that, you go through what's called a hole or, or a difficulty, and then you realize something about your true nature or the essence of who and what you are. And, um, and, um, and in Buddhism, it's similar, but it's different. And it's different also because, um, you know, the, the focus in Buddhism is on suffering and the end of suffering, yeah. right? And so the end of suffering, you don't get to the end of suffering without suffering, yeah. right? And so, and many people, most people have had difficult childhoods or not, per, let's put it this way, not perfect childhood. And then on that, there's a whole range from horrible and traumatic to just, you know, not good. And, uh, you know, and so, and, but, but the same principles we keep applying, which is kindness, compassion, love, uh, and learning how to be more equanimous with suffering so that we go through it and beyond that. And um, we also refer people, as Hamid was saying, really what he was saying, and Hamid will say this, if people are dealing with serious trauma, we send them to trauma therapists in the diamond, not outside of the diamond approach. That's not the work of the diamond approach. And in Buddhism, we do that also. I mean, I, anything that, that helps relieve suffering is good. So therapy is good, of course. And I've done therapy at different times in my life. And even still at times, it's good. Yeah. Does that make sense what I'm, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, I just, I just found it so interesting. I, I, I mean, I should probably look into his um, methods more closely, but um I can't remember. Are you in the diamond approach? No, no. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's really a different way of working because it's, and I'm going to teach people a little bit about it in two weeks. Okay. I meant to say that. I'm going to teach people how to do inquiry, which is the main practice of the diamond approach. And it's a great practice and it's, it's just brilliant okay. and, and it's powerful. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> okay, good. Thank Be you. here in two weeks. Okay. Okay, good. Good to see you. Thank you. Okay, Clint. Can't hear you, Clint. You got to unmute. I'm, I'm there. You uh, are. You're here. Um, I, I, I was really moved by your, your drama talk today, Eugene, because in some so many different ways, it it applies to my life, uh, where sometimes um, you have to be insincere, or, or at least you think your survival depends upon being insincere. Um, and sometimes it might be, but but you're being sincerely kind to yourself yeah. by being insincere, at, you know, meaning not being honest or truthful at, at some point. Yeah. R right. And yeah, I mean, you know my history well enough. I know uh, that I'm an elder and a gay man. Uh, and uh, the whole LGBT thing is, has grown wonderfully over the decades. And, and there's a whole lot of questioning the old ways it was condemned. But back when I was a young man, and that didn't exist. It was all just hate and mm -hmm. contempt. And I, uh, 
was very close, very much in the closet. I mean, I, I bought into it, the fact that this is, you know, I was, I'm, I was feeling that. And I thought my survival depended upon me not letting people know that I was gay. Yeah. And, and sometimes that meant really avoiding the physical uh, situation. And sometimes it was kind of, in hindsight, way overestimating the risk that was involved. Uh, but mm -hmm. it, just, it, it wasn't like an intellectual thing. It was a visceral thing. Sure. If people started asking personal questions that, that would kind of lead towards, you know, you know orientation, I, I would just feel, you know, the, the throat constrict, the, the gut tighten, and, mm -hmm. uh, and I would feel that I was legitimately in danger. Sure. And, and I know that's not rational now. Well, I mean, there's... there's yeah, there's, but, but it, it was part of the bigger culture that you were living in that there was fear about that for you. Yeah, I, I mean, okay, I won't go into history of my life, but but yeah. uh, I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I'll just say that it's been um, most of, I mean, just about all of my adult life trying to, to move from insincerity to sincerity in this matter. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm totally out now and I don't, ha and I don't make a point of, you know, thrusting that information on people, but I also don't make a point to hide it. And uh, so this freedom that I've developed over decades to get here, this, this freedom um, is so exhilarating. Mm -hmm. it, it's, um, it's such a blessing. And, and I, you know, and I, I don't have to be insincere in order to get through the day. Right. So I, I just want to say, you know, insincerity sometimes is not just trying to gain something through flattery, but also mm -hmm. just, just trying to survive in, in, a, in a place where you feel like you're in danger. Yeah, no, great. Thanks for putting that in the room because it's really, it's not, but I'm, I'm not calling that insincerity. I'm calling that uh, being realistic about what's needed and, and to survive in this case. And, you know, and, and the kind of um, sincerity of caring about life, right? And loving life and wanting to live and wanting to be able to be here as yourself may need at some times to not show yourself. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a Vietnam uh, veteran on, on the ship. I was, I was in the Navy. And mm -hmm. um, <laughs> before that, I was trying to convince myself that this is just a phase I'm going through, you know, I'll, I'll turn straight overnight or something like that. But yeah. being in the middle of the Pacific Ocean with 350 sailors, I, I was pretty well convinced that I'm, that I'm gay. And yeah. um, that set me on uh, this journey that I'm still on and that you've been a large part of uh, mm -hmm. to just uproot all the old voices, all, all the stuff you talked yeah. about Diamond Heart. And mm -hmm. um, I'm a lot better, but there are times in my, there were times when it would be appropriate to, to announce myself gay. And I still find myself sometimes hesitating just because yeah. it's, it's like a, a, a leftover feeling from when I thought my, day, my life, life would be threatened if I revealed this. Yeah. So, so it's, a continual, it's a continual work. And right. just coming up here and talking to everybody about, about this is part of me just, just wanting to be honest and not have to have who I am misconstrued in some other way. Sure, but also the kindness of being real it, for yourself is a part of sincerity of practice. Yeah, I mean, back then in those days, I, I was full of hate and rage. Yeah, well, let, let's stay here. Let's stay but here. I'm just saying, now I'm not. 
Yeah, I, I'm here. And so um, I consider that a great blessing. That's all. Great. Good. Good to see you, Quint. Likewise. Okay. David. Hi. Hi. Um, I have uh, probably a pretty basic question, but. Uh, talk a little louder. I want you to come into my screen a little more. I can hear How's you, that? but. That better? Uh, there you go. There you are. Hi. I wonder if there's some volume setting I can do. I don't know. No, no, um, you're fine. Don't worry. Okay. So um, about awareness, um, while we're meditating, noticing that thoughts come and uh -huh. having responses to that, uh -huh. I feel, I think I, I, I may just be confused, but I find it very difficult to be purely aware without the awareness being tinged with disapproval, usually, maybe sometimes approval, but usually. How, wait, 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 how do you know there's disapproval? I feel it. I think it's like, oh, there I go thinking again. And, or, right. or I don't like this line of thought and oops, I'm not supposed to, you know, oh, there I wait, go. Wait, 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 slow down. So you're aware of the disapproval. Oh, we're losing you, David, you froze. Is he frozen for everybody? Yeah, David, we want you back, David. <laughs> oh, come on, that was a good part, a good question. David, are you back? You're, Hi, you're, sorry, you, I got a phone call. I didn't know it would uh, do that. Yeah, okay, I didn't. So, but, so, and you were talking about the disapproval that came with the thoughts, right? Yeah. And I'm, I'm saying, and I said, how do you know there was disapproval? You were aware of the disapproval, right? Yeah. So that's what you want to be. You don't want to even, you don't have to stop the disapproval. You don't have to stop your mind saying, oh, those thoughts, why, why do they keep coming? Shit, I'm not with the breath anymore. You can be aware of all of that instead of believe it. You're breaking up, you're, you're freezing again. Oh, David, I want to talk to you. <laughs> this is, now I'm aware of oh, my I'm own. I'm not sure, I'm not sure that the. What, you're breaking, you keep, you keep freezing, David. Yeah, so do you. He says, can okay, I well, your video. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Try that. Let's just, video. okay, good. So did you hear what I said when I said you were aware of the disapproval? Yeah. Okay. And then I'm so, aware of an effort to not disapprove. Right. But, right. But you're, you can be aware of all of it. You're not even doing any of it. It's all doing itself. <laughs> No, that's the paradox. You're not doing the, oh, I've got to fix it or I'm not going to fix it. You think, you may think you're, you're doing it, but, but if I say to you, don't do it, you can't stop doing it. Right? Is that right? Uh, not for very long at a time, that's for sure. Right, but I'm saying, right, you can't, you and and so you just want to be aware of it rather than believe it. 
That's the fine line and, sh and shift of perspective that comes with meditation, that you can be aware of everything and you can start to rest in the awareness itself or abide in the awareness itself. So the, that leaves the, if, if the only part of, of it all that's me is the awareness, uh -huh. it's like a tiny little part in a, you know, <laughs> yeah. and everything else is this flood of thoughts and feelings and judgments and responses and. Right, but you're free to choose what do you want to believe and what don't you want to believe. Hmm. Okay. What do, you, what do you want to act on and what don't you want to, you know, what really touches your heart in a good way? And, when, and what seems, no, I'm not going to go with that thought or that feeling. I mean, I'm, I want to be kind to the, the one who's having the thoughts and feelings. because they're all happening on their own. Um, but I have to keep making an effort to not go along with them and get engaged with them. And yeah, so, so make, 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 well, let's see. Sometimes it's not when we learn to relax as part of meditation and just be aware of whatever comes. Believe me, I have so much shit goes through my consciousness. And <laughs> I mean, I mean, really, I, I wish I could show a movie of my consciousness sometimes. I mean, it's got a lot of good stuff in it. It's got a lot of crap. Yeah, we but, can compare the <laughs> really well believe me i'm sure we each think that each of us would win <laughs> but but in fact it's like the awareness there's some freedom and that's more and really the difference here is pointing at what's called in buddhism the small sense of self and and the big sense of self or true nature or buddha nature because that's part of awareness is part of true nature and it's part of who and what you are in, at the depth of who and what you are. And that's what we're doing when we practice is starting to understand the truth of who and what we are and what's here and be able to act and live from it. Which is why I think we're all here. Yeah, that's why I keep coming back. That's that's a great phrase, keep coming back. Whether it's 12-step or Buddhism or the diamond approach, any of them, keep coming back. So you're going to say something about the diamond approach two weeks from now? I, I'm not really going to say much about the diamond approach, but I'm going to teach. The board has been asking me to do this, the San Francisco Insight Board, to teach inquiry, which is a certain kind of more collective practice that we can do together. And I would, I'm happy to teach people. So I'll do it in two weeks. I'll do a little teaching about inquiry, investigation in Buddhism is what it's the same. And then we'll do it collectively. Uh, and we'll do it in little groups of three and then, and then see what it's like to be real together in this 
way in this practice that I've learned from the diamond approach. And I've wove, uh, you know, I definitely uh, initiated it in, in Spirit Rock and all, you know, and the teachers have all learned how to do it. We've actually had Hamid come in and do retreats for the teachers that were inquiry retreats. So it's, it's something we're going to do more, a little more regularly here as part of SFI. So, so come check it out. I hope to, yeah. Okay. Thank you. Great, thank you. Glad we got it. We got to have a little dialogue even with the techno duca. So I'm gonna go back to uh, gallery view. And um, hi everybody. Again, now I'm seeing everybody. Yeah, good to see you, even waved hands. Um, we'll end, I'll ring the bell. The other thing to say is I won't be here next week. Victoria Carey, our, my colleague and good friend will be here. So please come join Victoria for teaching. I'll be here in two weeks doing something on inquiry and investigation. And uh, let's see, what else? Uh, oop, somebody did something, made some noise. Um, let's... Uh, appreciate our good fortune that we've had the time and place to practice together, to study the Dharma, to sincerely uh, give ourselves to the truth and see what's here and see who and what we are. And may our good fortune go out in every direction in touching beings in every realm, in every world, beings in this world and every world. May all beings be happy, and peaceful. May all beings be free from suffering. May all beings learn how to live and practice sincerely, giving themselves fully to the Dharma, to the truth, to awakening. May all beings be free. Thank you, Eugene. Bye, everyone. Thank you, Eugene.